Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Live Oak Bank and Janus International. Live Oak Bank is a partner that we've chosen to have as our sponsor because of the incredible work they do in the self storage industry specifically. They know storage, their teams are very knowledgeable about the asset, the asset class, what you can and can't do, how things are valued. Super, super important to have those kinds of partners on your side, and Live Oak Bank can be those partners for you guys. We've had an amazing feedback from so many people out there that have reached out to Live Oak and have had amazing experiences with them as well, which is so cool to hear, and one of the reasons why we've specifically chosen them to be our sponsor on this podcast. So link is in the show notes. Go check out Live Oak Bank. Get at them. Get all your questions answered, figure out what direction you're going to go, and get that financing and funding figured out. Our next sponsor, Janice International. Amazing solutions for you guys, whether you're building a new facility or you're trying to upgrade an old facility. They have a lot of amazing options and solutions for self-storage owner and operators to bring their facilities up to today's standards, and to also help you guys build some of the most state-of-the-art facilities that you could possibly be building right now that help meet that user expectation that that we all have, really, at this point, where we want things on demand, we've got to have it right now, it's got to be easy, convenient, all that stuff. Janus International provides that. They provide great solutions and uh, valuable solutions and They too, like Live Oak Bank, they have decades of experience in the self-storage industry. Amazing people. Link is in the show notes. Get at them. And with that said, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And I am excited about today's podcast because we have another interview. We've been on a roll with these interviews. Dude, it's been insane. And I'm super excited about it because all the guests we're having on are just rock stars and yes. killing it in storage and it's just been cool to show all this spectrum between you know owning and operating three million square feet of storage or you know just several thousand square feet whatever that might look like i mean people that have just acquired people that have portfolios like we're covering the whole spectrum yeah, i like, love it yeah the past few episodes have been amazing yeah. so it makes it really uh you know we always talk about that dynamic learning as as opposed to static learning mm-hmm. and uh gives you kind of a, a full view of the process and and i think that's awesome for sure but today we got james reed with us so as you guys know we don't waste a whole lot of time don't even talk he's got 1200 units and two facilities so with that james how's it going man i'm doing well how about yourself doing great doing good, really good. good now you are out of the midwest Right? Yep. So St. Louis? Yes. Perfect. How long have you been in this game, man, this crazy world of self-storage? 
Oh man, I've been, I've owned the facilities for, uh, I guess by the last four years, maybe three years, but been doing the development for by about five, building a business plan and just kind of laying out our, our strategy. Awesome. Now, and what made you, what, like why storage? Do you, do you have a background in it or? No, not really. I'll I'll try to keep the story short for you. So my main background is landscape contractor. I've ran a landscape contractor business for like the last 18 years. But about 10 years ago, I actually, my nursery that I built from the ground up burnt down. And then that got me into buying real estate and mobile homes, renting them out. And then I kind of stumbled across self-storage and I'm like, wow, this is, this is where I want to be. So since then I've been basically putting things in place to be able to get me in a place where I can actually buy and build storage facilities. Okay. So I got a question here now. Did, did you build the two or did you buy them? Uh, so they were both conversions. So they were oh, both big. Okay. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, take us back now, in that, especially because of conversion. Now we got to really dive into this whole, whole thing. Take us back yeah. to this first deal. Like walk, walk us through here. How, like normally speaking, when we talk to people, that's not the jump we see. So I'm very interested <laughs> in, yeah. in yeah, how this all started, got in. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, ideally the goal was to buy an existing facility as our first facility, but I could not find one that really penciled out as well as I wanted. Um, so being a landscape contractor, I'm not afraid of construction. So I quickly switched to more, let's find some buildings that we can convert. Uh, and I came across this very large uh, Chevy dealership, about 90,000 square feet for a uh, Chevy dealership that was went vacant for several years. Uh, we came in and purchased the property, um, shared with the city what we were going to do with it. And we took the Chevy dealership and converted it into self-storage. And, and that's what we did. How, first now, part. when you initially brought that up to them, was it a like, were they kind of a take, taken back or, or were they totally okay with it? Because municipalities act very different when approaching them with conversions. Like it's, you know, some of them are like, you want to do what? And other ones are a little more comfortable with it. Yeah. So I think they were a little bit more open to it, much more open to the second location that we opened Um, with it being vacant for four to five years. I think there was a little more time that was sat there. Wow. We just want something there. (laughs) Um, I would say that I was pretty blessed in the uh, transition um, but the site itself had its own challenges. There used to be a uh, tr- um, gas station on site. So mm. our one that we were given clean from the broker was actually not clean <sighs> we until later on. So we had to go to a phase two and do drilling. Uh, like, I don't know how many hundreds of feet down or whatever they dug down and get samples. So it definitely had its hair on its back. Now that's uh, after you bought it? This was, this is, we were still under contract at this point. Okay. Okay. Um, but we just knew that it was a good property. There was uh, a demand in the community. Uh, we just stayed focused on it, um, but definitely had its own challenges. It had a dry cleaners on it too. So that was even a red flag from the, mm-hmm. yep. Perspective. Um, but thankfully everything, everything came back clean on phase two. Um, but you just got to do your own boots on the ground to really understand how these pro- projects work. And typically, the information that you're shared isn't always accurate. So that's when you have to go in and actually read all the fine print, ask questions, dig deeper and dig deeper to actually get what you need to get your job done. That is so true. And we see it, I mean, literally almost every single deal we're looking at, whether it's a development or a conversion or any of that stuff. And you're saying, so you were provided with phase ones that didn't have that information on there? Yeah. So unfortunately, the phase one was only for 
uh, like a couple acres, and we we were buying fifteen oh, acres. Crazy. Oh, crazy. Okay. And so you know, we didn't know that it was only for a partial piece of the property. Well, mm -hmm. after our bank got involved, they're like, "This isn't going to fly." So we had to go through, and then the new phase one came back dirty. We're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so then we had to order a phase two, and I'm like, "Wow, this is quite interesting." Um, thankfully, our property. Uh, touches Walmart in that community. So it was in a high traffic area. So we knew that the potential was definitely there for us to continue to fight because it was probably a nine month process to actually get this yeah. finally under, uh, under contract and closed. So it was a longer process, but we hung in there. Uh, other funny story about this is that it was such a large project. When I talked to one of the real estate, not real estate, sorry, the retail clients, they asked me about, have you made it back to the back shed yet? And I said, what do you mean the back shed? I think I've walked this entire property like multiple times. Well, she opened up a door and it was another 4,500 square feet that we didn't even own. We didn't know that we owned. It was just open warehouse. I'm like, wow, like how does this even happen? How does the agent not know about this back warehouse space? So that was just a little little extra, I guess, icing on the cake that kind of helped out too. Man, we we find that all the time. Hey, we, like I swear, we're still finding that with we we are doing a conversion of a huge office building. That part of the office building is like it was like it was done for like shipping, like newspapers, things like that, right? So it's almost like part of it was almost industrial, like warehouse, right? Then the other half, the other multi floors, was um, office. It was built out over how long? When did they start that? When did they oh, since like the seventies? So since the seventies, but not all of it. Yeah, not they all just of it. Came in and added Pieced things it. on here and there, um, whether or not they were permitted or not. <laughs> like I mean, they just did like whatever, super hodgepodge building, it, totally insane. But like the underlying thing here that I think is so important for a lot of people to hear is not just relying on the information that you're given by the broker or by the seller or whoever it is, like going out and actually verifying that information on your own. Uh, we, again, I mean, we see this over and over and over again on yeah. almost every single deal where it's like, wait a second, what is that? Oh, well, by the way, we can't even do this deal anymore because this has changed yep. and that's changed. It's just like, wow. And that what you gave us wasn't accurate. Yeah, exactly. So like, you told us one thing, now we're three months down the road we get our own verification of the same reports that you have and somehow they come back different and not in your favor. Um, <laughs> which is so you know, we're big on that verification process, right? Absolutely. You trust, but verify. And it's something I think that was a little surprising to me in the real estate world because the rules are extraordinarily clear. Like, right. Like you just can't <laughs> not tell them things. That's right. it's not, you don't get away with that stuff in real estate. So how people are doing it or not, because if we went through with the project, we bought it right. And then found out, oh, this wasn't the documents that you provided were wrong. Like mm -hmm. they're on the hook for that. Mm -hmm. Well, like, sometimes, I mean, genuinely there's a, there's a, especially in storage, there's a lot of owners out there, whether they own land or they own a facility or whatever it is that they genuinely have no idea. Yeah, no like, clue. No clue. No just, clue. Yeah, super, super hodgepodge deal that they bought way back when, and they have no information and anything else. Like, that's what makes it a great deal, but yeah. at the same time. <laughs> you got to make sure you know what you're doing. And yeah. like you said, too, on your conversions, which is so interesting to me, because when I approach developments and conversions, I don't know how you look at this, but for me, I'm like, it has to be a rock star, or else I can't do it, because the surprises that we're going to find are baffling 
to me. Like you find extra space. I, this building that we had, I don't know, we had what, six months? And I swear it was like every two months they're like, hey, we found another 400 square feet here. I'm like, what? Where was that part of the building? <laughs> it just kept, like the building just kept producing more space. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I don't even know. Like, I'm like, we've walked this thing like 10 times. Um, but conversions, as you know, has their surprises. So walk us through when you're doing your underwriting, talk to us on this first deal. You've never owned a storage facility. Like when you're doing that underwriting, how'd that go? And how was that confidence built up? And how did you know, like, how did you get down to numbers that you were comfortable enough? And then we can, I want to go through the nitty gritty of this deal. Like how'd you fund it, everything? Cause I'm so intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go back up how I found it first. Maybe that's a good starting point. So I'm on, I search almost every night for buildings, but at that time I actually found this one on LoopNet, and I found the listing. I'm like, there's no way this is an accurate statement. They wanted um, like $999,000 for this 15 acres, 90,000 square feet. So it's got $90,000 worth of income from the state of Illinois rents a big portion of it, an office space of the, of the space. And um, so we finally met with him. It was like a day before Christmas, uh, 2017, I think. I got out there, looked at the property. I'm like, wow, this is this is real. This is legit. So we worked through that process. And uh, because it took so long, I was able to, able to negotiate from 999. We put an offer in at $500,000 on the property. And we settled on 550 Dude, you can't say those kind of numbers on our podcast right now. Do you know how many people just like got mad and turned the podcast off? They're like, you did what? Or died. Yeah. Or died. One of the two, right? Yeah. Everyone so, in your car, please don't faint. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was like a tremendous blessing. But besides that, that was interesting. Um, but hard work paid off because otherwise most people were just going to not go through all the trouble to get this property. But we, we hung in there and got it done. So is that why it was so cheap? Like go back to how you found this. Cause you say you just found this on LoopNet. Were they not actively marketing it? Was it backed by a real estate agent? Like, why wasn't that thing gaining any traction? I mean, this is this is 2017, right? The economy is really heating up at this point. It's it's starting to yeah. move. You know, I, I think he had it on a LoopNet. I think he could have had a better listing. Uh, it was very vague uh, in the perspective. Um, and as an end user, at least from my perspective, I'm just trying to think what else would go in there other yeah. than storage. We're always thinking storage, but I'm thinking... I'm also trying to always think about another competitor who's going to bid against me uh, and what's that look like. And I think that at the time, you know, I don't know why anybody else was looking at it, but I couldn't find it anywhere else other than maybe LoopNet. But the agent wasn't very organized. You can clearly say from what he shared with me on the different documents. Um, but we dug through it and found it on, on LoopNet, which is kind of rare to actually find a deal on there. So Yeah, no, that's uh, insane. That is crazy. And then to be able to negotiate like several hundred thousand dollars after that, it's like been on the market. Like that's crazy. Now, when you, so you've got this price, obviously I can see how your underwriting starts to look very good. (laughs) Now this is making a lot more sense. Um, When you looked at the market though, like what were this, like how, what was that process? How confident were you in? Because when you're, when you're converting a building, right, we have all these unknowns, but in development, as everybody knows, there's the unknown alone. Am I going to fill up? How did you get the confidence and how did you underwrite that? Um, and then from there, I want to keep moving here into financing. I'm really digging down into this process because I love it. No, no problem at all. So 
uh, with it being our first facility, uh, I actually went out and met every single store. And then I went on Google Maps and basically Google Earth and measured every single building to do my own in-house feasibility, right? So this is like me still like a pup trying to find his way through this whole journey. Um, but at the time, I was also part of the Scott Myers uh, Academy. Mm-hmm. So I was able to connect with some of those um, connections there to ask questions. And then after I went under my underwriting to understand the supply index, I also understood that we were like one of the only ones that had climate control in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that was going to set us into a better situation for the client base that we're trying to go after in that community. So uh, once we got through that, then I hired uh, Bob Copper to do a full feasibility study because before I invest all this money into a project, yes, yes I, I can verify my own stuff, but I need somebody else to have a third party opinion to really get down to, is this a legit deal? Because a lot of times it's very easily to get emotional inside a deal. Okay. And you need James, you, that like gold, like you just like reached through the phone. Like, I can't tell you, I'm shocked when people don't even, you know, they don't get third-party verification. Hey, we had 50 million in asset when we did our first development and I still paid somebody to come out and do, and I needed them to confirm. I needed that other look. Good, bad, ugly didn't matter. But what you just said, right? You needed somebody else to look at it and see the things that you're not. I, I'm sorry. I just have to stress the importance of that. That would save probably half deals that end up not good if they would have simply had a third party done an in-depth analysis of that market, they would have known they shouldn't have gone there. Yep. No, I'm a firm believer. Uh, and I also believe that you have to spend money to make money. And those reports are super important for you to understand to make the right decision. Because if I'm only spending millions of dollars on a property, what's five to $20,000 on a report? Yes, 100%. Come like, on, guys. <laughs> people skip on the small stuff mm-hmm. because they're, they're pinching pennies. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like it, it does. It's not logical, right? You could get a ten thousand dollar report done, but you don't because you want to save money. And I'm like, you're building a four million dollar building. Do you know what percentage that is to make sure that your four million isn't wasted? It's nothing. It's not even remotely close to even the insurance that you're going to have to pay. So it, it, you know, it's funny though, but that's that's honestly the attitude of a huge majority of people out there. I think too, you kind of hit the nail on the head with talking about the emotional side of it. When somebody thinks they've found a deal, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't want someone to tell me it's a bad deal. (laughs) Like, I just want this to be, I want it to work out. I want it to be good. I want every rainbows and sunshine. Um, Because as people know, uh, a lot of this is such um, a long process. You know, it's not like this thing that just happens overnight. You know, you're you're taking years and months of your time to figure out, to, to find these deals, to go through the due diligence and all this stuff. And I think that can be, like you said, James, is just a hard emotional uh, back and forth on what the best decision is. But obviously, like, you, a bad deal is, is worse than no deal. Like, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's crazy. And it, it, it's, it's harder said than done to say, hey, you got to be able to walk away from your deal. But that's yeah. what you mm-hmm. have to do. You have to mentally tell yourself whenever you're looking at deals, one, it's good to tell yourself there will be another deal because there always have been. I've never not another deal like it's going to be hard it's going to be challenging but they're out there and it's worth its weight to wait to find the right deal that works for you than trying to reverse the deal because i know a lot of guys just happen to have a property like well already on the ground so let's just build yes. it they're not going to come yep. yeah. not like not <laughs> no it, like no. this build it and they will come mentality 
blows me away. Like I went and talked to a guy who was three years in and he wasn't filling up how we thought he would. And I was like, well, how'd you select the site? And he was like, oh, well, my dad owned the land. And I'm like, okay, but why did you choose to build here? Like, is that your only reason? Just looking like, at you like, what? Are you, like, what? what are you how'd you decide unit selection? How did you, you know <laughs> what I mean? And there wasn't any. He built it, went to an architect and said, hey, and the architect said, you should put these units in because it's well mixed. And that's what he did. And I'm yeah. like, he didn't even look at the market. He didn't even look at the consumer, the customer. He didn't even ask the customer. And he put millions of dollars on this property with this idea, just like you said, build it and they will come. And yeah. that, you know, and I think though too, in storage, we're totally spoiled because for the last, like in, until you get really up to 2000, like eight, that was true. Like it, it was true. It didn't matter where you put storage through the eighties, nineties and the early two thousands. It just filled up. But the reason why that was, was because there was no competition, right? Like there was demand like crazy, but storage was so new, nobody built it, nobody owned any, it just filled up automatically. And it was way cheaper to buy the land, it was way cheaper to build. So everybody's like, oh, this is just a cash cow. And all I had to do was put up units, no market studies, nothing. That is just not the world we live in anymore in self-storage. Not at all. Now, when, okay, another thing too, you talked to like that emotional side, like when you, what you said, I have to reiterate the best component I've had, because I had a question on, I think maybe Instagram, when I'm answering my questions and they said, how do you get rid of FOMO? Right? Like fear of missing out or that fear of the deal, because this emotional pull that both, uh, uh, you guys were talking about here is really, I feel more so people are like, well, I'm not in love with the location anything like that. I'm like, no, but you are in love with the idea of doing a deal. And you get really big FOMO because you see all these people doing deals and it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for everyone. So how I've conquered that is just what you said too. And I want to reiterate that the understanding that there's more deals than you can ever get a hold of. So there's, there's so many deals you'll never be able to capitalize on all the deals. The problem is you just don't understand yet how to find the good deals and things like that, which you'll overcome that, right? That'll happen. That'll come. So you just need to understand that next year, there'll be more deals. The year after that, there'll be more deals. But one deal can ruin all that potential. And one bad deal can stop you from ever being able to capitalize on new deals. And that always, you know, keeps me in check. I just love that. But so how did you finance this thing? Walk us through. Yeah. So initially I was working with a bank out of uh, Chicago uh, and a lot of things were promised to me uh, and we were getting down to the ninth hour and he could not fulfill his promise. So I'm here now. I'm probably out of extensions. You know, I may have, I don't know how many days or weeks I have left. So now I'm going back to the drawing board. Who do I need to contact? Uh, Thankfully, uh, I had a connection with Live Oak Bank. With Terry and I, yep, and I kind of shared what was going on, uh, and they came through in the ninth hour. Uh, got me approved for a seven-day loan. Was able to work in the working capital, ten percent down. Just streamlined the whole process. Their team is fantastic from start to finish. Their software they use to get all your data in. Um, I've just never worked with somebody who was so on top of their game. It's unreal of what I've been able to been 
and able to work with with Live Oak Bank. And people ask uh, us why we chose Live Oak Bank to be our sponsor. I was like, going to say, and this sponsorship uh, spot done like, for the podcast. Like, there you th- go. But, yeah, <laughs> your story, though, it was on the last podcast. Same thing. This is this a story crazy. we just hear over and over and over again. I couldn't figure out. I was having problems whatnot. Terry at Live Oak Bank came in and filled in all the holes, told me what I needed to do, got it done. I mean, he's all, you know, Terry's always coming to the rescue. Like, does that guy sleep or what is he doing? I know, seriously. Like, the machine, <laughs> that guy. No, that is so cool to hear. Like, seriously, like, and what are the odds, too, that, I mean, they're out there doing a lot of good work, and here yeah. you are again. I mean, this is, you're the second person we've talked to this week. They're like, man, you know, we had issues financing, went and talked to Terry at Live Oak, and, you know, got everything figured out, and we're good to go. And, like, Terry did all this crazy extra work on top of the dif- different yeah. things. And, just I mean, it's just out. awesome. So awesome. And how did you, so when you, you went and you were working with Terry, right? Did you do, um, like, how was the financing structure? Did, did you use your savings to put down 30%? Did you do a small business loan? Um, how'd that all work and how'd that process go? Yeah. So I had mentioned to you, um, a few years prior to finding the property, I knew I was going to be getting into storage. So yes. I stopped buying rental properties mm-hmm. and saving up all my cash to be able to put a down payment down Love it. Uh, on, on the property. So I basically had my down payment money available. Um, and then after we closed, I actually backfed it with investors. So I raised capital after I closed, got my investment back out of the deal. And now I have a handful of investors in that deal. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. And then did you turn around now, uh, when you say, first of all, you fed it, did you do that at construction and when you, uh, or did you immediately, so you got the deal, used your money. And then was it upon the construction loan that you brought investors in or was it on completion? Uh, I think we were still under. I think we we're still under construction because after okay. we closed, that's when I went live and started uh, talking to a couple investors to invest in the deal and got our got our capital back out because we were already looking at our second store. Yep, and then you so, rolled it into your second one. Yep. Money. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's such a good strategy to utilize to get that money out and and to roll that into the second one. Real quick, talking on banks. Just so everybody knows, what were some looking back on that whole like bad experience with the previous bank out of Chicago that you're talking about? What were some red flags or some indicators that you, looking back now you could say like I should have just like canned them then? Or, or were there any indicators like that? Or you know, I think that I would would have requested a term sheet earlier than what I was given um, potentially um, to kind of see how quickly they can actually turn around a term sheet for me. They give me some of the in, inside of how their team operates um, and just maybe just having some more clarity of like, can you really do this? Like, yeah. I'm not here to play mm-hmm. like this deal that I, I want to close. Um, what do you, where do you see some of the hurdles are? Like, I want to be upfront with you. Where, where do you, do you see any, can you punch any holes in our deal that you guys may not like? Um, you know, and, and I was, Laurel with them because that's who I initially met at one of the conferences and I wanted to kind of see the whole project through. So I probably hung on longer than I needed to with that. But the day I needed to change hands is like, I got to move on. Like you're not able to get this done. I can't afford to lose this. I don't want to lose this because of the financing. Yep. Um, this is a deal to keep and a good a deal to work hard to get to close on. So I've been removed several years, so maybe in the midst of it, I'd have a little more feedback to give you. Um, but maybe just just having those honest conversations with your lender, like, hey, what does this really look like? Is this a deal that you want to do? And do you see anything that would hinder us from making this happen? You know, 
I, I always, when I, we work with lots of banks, obviously. And over time, I've definitely realized that the sales department in the bank is a sales department. It's all, I almost view them as they're not bankers, right? Because they don't actually make the decisions. But they get bonused and they get comped off of loans, everything they're doing. So to the sales department in the bank, they do everything. Like, I'm always shocked. I'm like, wow, you guys are amazing, right? There's just, you haven't said no to hardly anything, right? But then you actually <laughs> go and talk to underwriters and you get into the thing and say, and they're like, we're not going to, we're not going to fund that. We're not mm-hmm. going to underwrite that. And so there's a definite disconnect. And so I always like to work when we're working with bankers. I, yeah, the salespeople are great, everything. Let's jump on the the phone with an underwriter. Let's walk through how this will actually look and work. I have all my data and everything here almost immediately because I'm like, I need to move past that salesperson. You're saying all the good things, but then I really need to get to the point because the same things happen to us. We've had banks that went the whole entire way along. And then all of a sudden they come back to us after months. We're about to close the deal. Um, so the underwriters don't, don't, don't like this deal. We're like, what? Like, so all that time I've been Wait coordinating with you. Like, yeah. As you're gone. just, yeah. feeding hopes and dreams. And I think it's it, on their side, they believe they can. They say like the bank may come out with an initiative. We want to break into this industry. So the salespeople go start selling it. But because the bank wants to break into an industry, let's say it's storage, which is happening a lot right now, doesn't mean the underwriters know how to underwrite it. So every deal that they're getting doesn't work. And it's just because they're not underwriting it correctly. Right. So just because they want to do something and they have an initiative to go out and to capture that industry, get those assets on their balance sheet, doesn't mean they can ever execute on those things. And once again, the reason with Live Oak Bank, they specialize in it. Right. So Terry helps you underwrite it. They know it. that's all inclusive. And because they do storage and they know it. Right. They know all the loopholes and programs. So that's really important to know when you're working with banks. If I ask 10 banks, they're all in. All of them. Yep, we're in. Now, the actual people that will underwrite the paper, like, that's totally different. You need to be aware of that as newbies because I know, James, like you just said, you've been trapped by it. I've been trapped by it. We had one time, which I'm not going to say the name of the bank because we couldn't believe it was basically fraudulent. But Wells Fargo, at the end of our closing, Wells Fargo came in upon signing docs. We're signing papers. They changed the terms of the loan. Signing the docs. Walked in. Here's what it is. Here's our new agreements. And we had no choice. We had to sign it. We were closing the loan, right? So banking is a big thing. And that is something a lot of new newbies, well, as professionals, right? They don't we, don't, we don't think a lot about because it's like, oh, this is just part of it, part of the process. Uh, but you could have lost that deal, Right. And I know we could have lost that deal. It's a big thing. So next question, who'd you use to finance your second one? Yeah, so we were, um, we were actually working with Live Oak Bank. And this, this deal was in uh, north of uh, $8 million on our, on our second deal. And we were having to use a, a CDC, so a commercial development company, and the partner with Live Oak Bank. Unfortunately, the... C, uh, CDC, I, I may be saying it wrong, but they were concerned that we just opened up our first store and now we're opening up a very large store for our second store. But so what they was the comparison not- in the two? Could you give us a comparison like units, total equity or total amount that goes into it size in the comparison of the two? Yeah. So uh, Wood River was like 
2.5 million all in. Okay. Um, and then uh, O'Fallon, we were at like, I think like 8 million all in. Okay, so substantial difference. Yeah, so yeah. quite quite sizable second yes. project. Um, so, because we were already, we just opened up our first store. We already had plans for our second store. So they didn't feel quite comfortable um, at the time because we were not, we were still in lease up mode for our first store. So we had to actually go conventional on our second project with a local bank that uh, I had previous relationships with back when I was younger. Yep. Lo- uh, that's another great tip. We do the same thing. We Utilizing local banks is a big deal. Have you ever, do you, when you say a local bank, was it an actual bank or was it a credit union? Uh, this was an actual bank. An within, actual bank. Within, yeah. Okay. And now... When you're the reason I want to talk about local banks, though, and also credit unions, because I tie them into the same thing, is there a lot of those are very, very aware of values within the market that unless you're in big major markets, some banks have a problem with, right? Like they they don't really get the value. They're they're very confused by it. I mean, we bought in 2010 a facility for 2.5 million, and uh, one of the big banks from New York on Wall Street. They didn't understand the value because they're like, this is out in the middle of like Hickville or whatnot. And we're like, okay, well, this is our, you know, our largest city here in Idaho. And <laughs> it's one of the fastest growing cities in the nation, right? But they didn't like the valuation of 2.5 million at 160,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah. So wow. they didn't do the loan. <laughs> Obviously, we did the loan with somebody else that's worth 15 million now. But the reason that's important is the disconnect and local banks and credit unions, lots of them. So credit unions have in their stuff, they have to deploy the capital, but I'm sure as you found, they're just familiar with the market. They get the value. They see the opportunity in ways that maybe big banks don't. Yeah. Thankfully this bank, I can almost throw a baseball at it. So from my store. So that's another. Perfect. And did you have to walk them through, valuing the facility at all and kind of like coach them on, on what exactly you were looking at. Yeah. You know, I think they had a general underlying understanding of what storage was. Um, and I think we used a very strong, uh, feasibility study and, um, appraisal. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they gave them some confidence, mm-hmm. uh, in perspective of what we're trying to achieve here. Were you operating them too? I'm sorry. We're just like throwing questions at you like crazy. You got us so interested. Uh, were you operating them too? So were you operating this first one? And then when you proposed to the bank, the next one, were you self-operating or were you farming that out to a third party management company? Yeah. So, um, I'm a firm believer is you don't know what you don't know. Um, so that's why I'm always learning. Um, so on our first facility, we did hire a third party management because my plan is to manage our own facilities. Um, but I want to learn from someone else that's already been doing to come so we hired a third-party management to manage that first facility for us um just so i can understand the ins and outs 100 uh, percent. self-manage um the one here in O'Fallon, missouri um uh, where my office is where we're at today awesome i i, I love that i was just, I literally having a conversation with somebody they were worried about the operations they didn't want to use third-party management company i'm like well that doesn't mean you always have to use them but like if so many people they stop because of that fear I'm scared because I don't know what I don't know, what you just said. And so they don't move forward. And I'm like, but there's other people that know it. Don't let that stop you. So I I love the problem solving here. (laughs) All the things that would be scary for you, you did a conversion right off the bat, right? You're buying these these properties. You're using your money. Nobody wanted to buy it. You're getting them on a discount. 
then you're going through all these studies. It's not coming back what you want. You have banking issues, right? And, and this is the same with like the last two podcasts we talked yeah. about, right? <laughs> like people are just, it's problem solving. There was yep. no roadmap for you. You figured it out. And even though you didn't know, you hired people that did and you got it done. Now, tell us about Lease Up and Philip. How'd that go? Yeah. So what's unique about our conversion so far, like, uh, let's say maybe 15 days with an opening up Wood River, we hosted a 10 day fair on our property. So it used to be car dealerships. We have five, six acres of asphalt. We were able to partner with a local fair company. The city got involved. They brought concerts in the beer garden to our property. We hosted like a countywide fair. So if you didn't know who Storco was, you sure didn't know now. Uh, <laughs> The, at the local fair on our on our property uh and that happens yearly on, on our property um so that was fantastic we all profited um i actually rent the space to the carnival company so they pay me plus commissions and then the city basically got paid and made money off the beer garden so i saw this on instagram and i you know i'm so glad you brought it up because it blew me away or whatnot um but this is one of the coolest thing I've ever, like you say a fair, right? But you guys got to go onto your, your, your Instagram just to see the video of it. You're talking, it is like a straight up huge carnival. Like it is ginormous right in front of the store. It looks like a, a mini Las Vegas. Yeah. Like neon lights everywhere. I'm looking at it right now and AJ's sharing it on his story. So go yeah. check it out. It, it like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to share it on my story. Cause I, yeah. I love this when I saw it. I thought that is so flipping creative. Like, that is super creative. I've never heard of anybody doing anything like that. No. So, yeah, so we we have that. So that helped out Lisa um, because everybody's – when they think of store code, they think about the times they had on our parking lot. It's not just a storage facility. We're truly, you know, creating events that happen on our parking lot. So that was a blessing there. Um, and then during the um, – in the midst of COVID last year, we're opening up our largest facility ever, right? So we have 700 and almost 750 units here and no one's coming out, right? We're all at home. Uh, no one wants to get outside. So uh, in the midst of all this, I went out and bought commercial grade drive-in movie equipment and I host in drive-in movies at our parking lot. So we hosted a drive-in movie series throughout the summer last year to get people to our parking lot to see our facility and spend time with us and learn more about Storco. So that's what we did last year, and we're still having this movie series this summer. Dude, I love that. This it it's yeah. so cool. No, that's like, another awesome idea. So, like on on this one on the fair, was that kind of the same thing? You're like just kicking around ideas, and you're like, let's host a fair. Like, I mean, how did that even come about? We so we, we somehow we connected with the fair company who just lost their space in Illinois. Oh, gotcha. Hey, did we work with you? I'm like, absolutely. This is what we should do. Um. So we have a partnership. So he, I, I almost did a little series, but I was going to call it the facility tour because he, he hosted this spring in Illinois. And then the week after he closed, he moved to Missouri. So we had like four weeks in a row where we hosted fairs on both properties. <laughs> so That's I awesome. I should a story around this, but uh, we've had them both at our, both of our facilities. Uh, but like you said, it's like a, I mean, it's a real production. Like these guys are, it's a legit fair. Like it's, yeah. we probably have over 15,000 people that come through this event uh, and see us. And not, so, and not only that, like you actually profited from it. 
Like, it's not even like you you spent all this money to host this fair. Like, you actually, <laughs> you were paid money to do it. Like, it's just, it's such an awesome thing because, I mean, what would it cost to, to get that much engagement interaction and getting your brand in front of people, you know, through online ads and everything else? I mean, getting in front of that many yeah. people in that community it, to that degree of level of interaction, that just, just it's, you couldn't do it. No. No. <laughs> So how so how what did you see during that? So you opened it up, right? Was your Philip really strong, or was the market soft? And you know what what did that time frame look like? Was it surprising, good or bad? Yeah, no. So we have. You know, I think there's still a seasonality to storage. You know, yes. basically mm-hmm. summers are much more busier. Um, we've had some really high spikes at both locations. Um, sometimes even right after our events. You know, you just get an influx of extra people coming to the facility. Um, you know, I don't think you can quite sell somebody on storage. Like, I don't think you can knock on someone's yep. door like, hey, Mr. John, I'm James Reed with Storco Storage, and I'd like to sell you a unit. You can't really do that. But you could definitely get them to be thinking about your brand and your company when it's time. So by capturing all these communities, focusing on Storco, um, when it's time to store, we want them to be thinking about us. It's awareness. And, and, and even last year, so I know there was a lot of tension between the police and first responders. We actually put together an event called Hoops for Heroes. And I got these carnival games from the fair company. And we put on this production that we had fair food and these carnival gun, games that were basketball. And we brought all the police in, fire department came in. And the whole evening, there was a competition between the public and the first responders to share light on, hey, we're all here together. We're in it together. We're gonna get through this hard time. We're good people. And so we created awareness. We raised money for a nonprofit called Backstoppers. Fantastic organization. Basically when someone's fallen in service, they pick up your mortgage, they pick up your kids' student loans. I mean, they I mean, they take care of that family from left to right, which, which is amazing. And then we hosted a movie that night called uh, Playing With Fire. So probably one of my favorite moments because it was just so neat to see everybody come together during that hard time of, of COVID um, and pandemic. So that was a really neat. That is so cool. I love that. It, you know, that's a and great you, way to give back. Our, uh, our store code YouTube channel has all of our events and you can learn what we're doing, even down to the construction of our conversion projects. They're all on there. So awesome. it's, been, it's been really neat. That is, that's uh, so cool. I, I, I love that you're, tying in community and everything together. Um, it brings brand awareness. Yeah. But it's, you know, you're really building a stronger community. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And speaking to your, we'll put the link in the show notes to your YouTube channel so people can go and check that out too. So I'll throw that in there and then I'll throw that. You said it was called backstoppers. Yep. Yeah. We'll throw that one in there too. So people can go and and check that out. And then, uh, donate. Exactly. Get in there and donate everybody. I think that's great. And so speaking of, the contracting side, you coming from landscape, did you already know contractors that were like super squared away? You could get them in there, good prices, you could trust them, all that stuff. Or did you go through a huge bidding process? And, and how did that whole situation look for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, I would I would probably comment first. I'm, I'm, I'm super blessed in all the connections that we've made over the years. But more importantly, I'm, I go back to the comment that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I knew that I want to be a leader in our industry and what better than learn from professionals. So I immediately went to our state association, got super involved. I applied for being a board member. Um, Cause I want to be in the playing field. I want to be in the grime of everything to learn from everybody. 
And by being a board member, you know, I was talking to a lot of different vendors and I came across a GC that's built projects for very large REITs and they're based out of here in Missouri. Uh, and we connected and so far he's done both projects for us. Uh, I feel very confident in his ability, um, the pricing structure. So uh, I don't know if I would say I fell into that, but that was definitely a big blessing to be able to meet him in the, in the very beginning. And now we're super connected because we both refer work to each other and he knows the industry left and right. And it's been a great partnership to be able to partner with him on building both of our facilities so far. No, that's awesome. And I, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't say you fell into that. I mean, that was literally your plan, yeah. like to go in to, to be a part of the association, to go and apply to be a board member. I mean, like you're just starting There's I don't think there's a lot of people would be like, you know, I'm going to go be a board of a storage association. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, why would I do that? But yeah. you're sitting here. I mean, again, AJ, like you said, all these things that you're doing, it's like almost the opposite of what so many people would do. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And it's, and it's awesome because, I mean, look at where you're at and look at all the opportunities you have now, the relationships. And, and speaking to that, like moving forward, what are your plans for the future? And what are things looking like? Like where do you, where do you go from here? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make a comment on one of our events and then I'll get to that question. That's yeah, great. yeah. One thing we, our most recent event we had was, was the, the, the 10-day fair on our newest location. And prior to that, we had about 25 uh, views on Google, right? We probably haven't done the best job getting, asking the question, because most of the time you just need to ask your clients to write a review, uh, but you also need to make it super simple. So I didn't want to take, I didn't want to miss an opportunity. So I went out and made these business cards that basically said, you know, thank you for you know, being here at our event. If you have a moment, uh, please write a review. So what we were doing is we were providing facility tours um, and we gave away a couple of tickets whenever they come in. They do a facility tour, we give them a couple of tickets and then I ask them to write a review. How many reviews do you think I got from that event? I was at 25 or so before the event. Where did I end off at? Did you double? Uh, 300. What did you get? Throwing a number out there. Okay, I like, I like your uh, ideas. So we, we ended up like at 173. And it was the highest probably in this city. Oh yeah, the uh, the closest <laughs> ninety nine. Yeah. So we're yep. we're doing really well. So if you take the time to think about these events, it's not just giving back to the community. You're you're gaining market share. You have opportunities to shed light on a nonprofit. You have an opportunity to get reviews. So we really try to think about opportunities to really expand what we can actually reach. Because um, there's multiple ways. Even though that not everybody has a large parking lot. There's many other ways that you can get involved in your community with your yeah. storage facility. So, uh, even as simple as like, I'm, you guys know Kurt Warner with the Rams back in the Rams days. Uh, he oh, does a, like the the team. Me and AJ yeah, watch sports all the time. Runs a uh, a jacket foundation, and so we have a unit where we're able to store his jackets for his foundation. So people come to our facility and store their jackets, and they give them away in the winter months. Oh, so cool. if you can find other areas that you can partner with i mean who i mean that's a, actually a great connection court warner there's a lot of following yeah. behind missions there um but we i love people and you'll see that throughout all of our events uh, yeah so Storco's mission is to impact lives in every community and, and by doing so we we build a really good partnership with the city and the community so we have a like-minded mindset to really improve lives and that's when we have our events that we we sponsor a local charity that's really making an impact um, I don't think I mentioned earlier, but like even like Girl Scouts, they didn't have anywhere to go during COVID. So they came to our parking lot and sh sold their cookies here. 
right? So those little things that make a difference in someone's lives to, we talked about the backstoppers that really support the fallen um, officers out in the workforce. Um, so there's just a lot of different ways to really get back to a community. If you take the time to actually find the right charities, because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to come up with my own charity. I just need to partner with somebody that's already doing what they want to do, but just be an asset to them. Um, we give our truck out to several different uh, several different companies around town to help them when they're moving their travels. I always give it out to the chamber because they're going to be in front of a lot of people and they don't have a box truck to move their goods around for their different golf tournaments and other aspects. So like we try to use everything that we can, even like our, we have a front corporate office that we do like after hours at, you know, I'm just really involved with the community. And so we just know that's a way to gain market share. That's um, awesome. I think make, that's uh, just great. Um, so I think you had mentioned, you know, where are we going? So yeah. uh, I had mentioned that I've only been in it for a handful of years, but been developing it for even longer. Part of my strategy is I have over probably a hundred domain names because I didn't know what name I was going to be. Um, I, we did settle on Storco storage, which I'm super blessed that we did, but I went ahead and got the name trademarked also in the process. That way we can be our plans to be a nationwide company, um, both providing third party management, also expanding our ability to help other communities. So the more facilities we have, the more impact we're going to have. And that's what motivates us here at Storco is really getting involved and making that difference. And by the way, I love the real estate class. Uh, super blessed to be in it. But that is where we're going to be taking Storco as a nationwide brand under Storco Storage. Awesome, man. Absolutely love it. Well, with that, man, I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, you're, you know, There's so much meaning in what you're trying to do and accomplish. And I just think that's really, really admirable. So we'll, we're going to put in, once again, uh, the show notes where people can go see your YouTube, things like that. But where else can people go to learn more about you? Yeah, so our main website is uh, storeco.storage. Um, and then my email is james.reid at storcosolutions.com. Um, so they're welcome to reach out to me anytime. I love strategizing, especially around these marketing ideas, but even more importantly on conversions. You know, all of our projects have been conversions so far. Uh, we'll, we'll eventually build new construction. We'll eventually buy existing. But right now we've been really happy with that business model. Um, but we're here to help. We're, we're here to partner. And we're also... Uh, willing others to partner with us. So it's been, it's been a great, great partnership that we've had. Hey, that's Very awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing, you know, your journey and the incredible and so unique things that you're doing right now. Once again, um, we'll have this stuff. Everybody needs to go check it out. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to actually see, you know, these carnivals and everything you're doing. It's I've never, yeah. I haven't seen anything like it in storage. So everybody go check it off out. And once again, James, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate yeah, it. A shout out to my team real quick. So yeah. this is 2020 and COVID and all of us working together to pull these events off and opening up our store. We were selected and nominated for the facility of the year of conversions. Awesome. So, um, my team they we i couldn't have done it without all of them so we're very blessed to be able to have that award yes congratulations, yeah, congratulations to you and your team that is awesome that's really really a, a, a pretty outstanding award because that's something a lot of people are doing and that's really cool so congratulations to you and your team and thank you for coming on we appreciate it hey great platform i, I love listening to you guys uh on, on on the podcast so keep it up and, and i've got other other colleagues that are learning from you guys so i really really do appreciate what you guys are doing 
Uh, and one last shout out. I'm sorry, I'm going no, long fine. here. You're fine. Uh, we host a clubhouse on Tuesdays, 9th Central, every Tuesday. We bring on guests. It's an open forum with questions and answers. Uh, we typically bring on a guest to share about their expertise, but that's on the clubhouse platform. Um, if they like our page, it's, it's called Self Storage Club. Um, and we'd be glad to bring them on and they can learn on that platform also. Wonderful. Well, Very thank you cool. for that shout out. That's a great resource. So awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing from you more and seeing what you're coming up with. I, I, I love following you online. So super interesting stuff, man. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. You bet. Have a good one. Thanks, James. Yeah.